0: This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. The language and content on this podcast may be unsuitable for certain audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to History Chatter. In this episode, let's talk food. More specifically, let's talk about falafel. Now, falafel is the typical Eastern dish made from uh, ground fava beans or chickpeas or a mixture of both of them. These are deep fried balls. Whether you eat them with uh, a quick snack or served in a pita bread with salad and tahini based sauce, falafel is a common sight at food stalls and restaurants and they are a common sight in food stalls in restaurants in india as well but if we ask where falafel actually comes from it's hard to get an undisputed answer falafel is as contentious as the region itself the region from where it comes that's the middle east the israelis have glorified it as one of their national dishes. The Palestinians are resentful of uh, what they believe as the theft of a distinctly Arab specialty. Meanwhile, the Lebanese have tried to, to recognize it or to have it recognized as their own. The Yemenis say it's they who invented it. This is not just a matter of culinary pride. More often than not, arguments about the origins of falafel are refracted through the lens of political conflicts. Particularly for Israelis and Palestinians, ownership of this most distinctively Middle Eastern dish is inevitably bound up with issues of legitimacy and national identity. But this um, rhetoric, this claims by several countries um, about falafel as their own does not match up with facts. Despite all the claims and counterclaims, falafel was almost certainly developed in Egypt. Now, it's not just that falafel was developed in Egypt, but also that falafel was invented, if you like, very recently. It was not, in that sense, an ancient or medieval dish. In all probability, falafel is relatively modern. Paul Balta and Farouk Murdam Bey have shown that falafel appears in Egyptian literature after the British occupation in 1882. Now, why this is such is not clear. Balta and bey have speculated that British officers um, who had acquired a test for fried vegetable crockets in India may have asked their Egyptian cooks to prepare a version using local ingredients. There is no proof of this, but it's not implausible. There were plenty of Indian dishes uh, made in a similar way, such as vada and bonda. These could have provided the necessary inspiration. Now, historian Shaul Stamfer has suggested that parippu vada or filori uh, made by the Jews of Kerala and Calcutta, could also be a possible uh, inspiration for falafel. He thought uh, these were strikingly similar to falafel. Now, if our uh, somewhat scattered evidence is to be believed, falafel appeared first in Alexandria. At first, its principal ingredient was fava beans, which were grown in large quantities in and around Alexandria. Now. So closely were the dish and ingredient associated with one another that it appears to have been from fava beans that the name falafel took shape. From Alexandria, falafel spread throughout the country. It gained such popularity that farther south, it became known simply as tamiya, literally a bite of food. Now, it conquered Egypt and then began to migrate, though the exact trajectory is, is um, difficult to, to reconstruct for sure. But shortly after the First World War, it had reached Lebanon. And in 1933, Mustafa Sahioun opened his falafel shop in Beirut. Around the same time, falafel travelled down uh, the Red Sea towards Yemen and north along the Mediterranean to Turkey and west towards Libya. All those who adopted it made it their own. Though they generally left the basic recipe unchanged, they altered the ingredients slightly to suit their own tests or to reflect the balance of local agriculture. In the Egyptian town of mirsa Matru, For example, fava beans were replaced with hyacinth beans and a bit of beef. In the Levant, chickpeas were used uh, most often. Now, even more interesting is the story of how falafel eventually became a very popular and almost passionate uh, article of taste in Israel in Palestine at the same time. Their relationship with falafel was more complex. Now, together with the indigenous population, the earliest settlers adopted it quite readily. they had grown used to cultural exchange with their Muslim neighbors. And they gave no thought, really, to whether it was an Arab food or not. They simply integrated it into their own cuisine as they had uh, countless other foods. Now, not only was falafel tasty and filling, it was also simple. The ingredients could either be bought cheaply or grown without much difficulty, and they were convenient to eat as well. The balls were not easily squashed, and unlike a great many dishes, they could be served either hot or cold. Now, the Jews who came to Palestine from Eastern Europe, especially during the fifth aliyah or wave, which is between 1929 and 39, were much more hostile. They were suspicious of anything they regarded as Arabic and they stuck doggedly to their own cuisine. They shunned falafel as an alien or unclean item of food. However, by the independence of Israel in 1948, falafel was still far from being accepted as a Jewish and certainly not as a national food. The recipes are extolling its nutritious qualities appeared frequently enough in newspapers. It was not terribly popular yet, but there were two new developments which uh, turned the tide. The first was the introduction of rationing. Now, struggling to cope with the entry of new immigrants and lacking both food and money, Israel introduced a strict program of austerity in 1949. Staple foods such as uh, margarine and sugar were rationed, while meat consumption was limited. Now, this boosted falafel's popularity. Not only was it uh, a good source of protein, but its ingredients were also readily available even to the poorest families. The second was the arrival of ever-growing number of Jews from Yemen, Turkey, and North Africa. In 1949, nearly one lakh people arrived in Israel from these regions. Having already encountered falafel in their native countries, they happily bought it with them in their new home and cooked it without seeing anything strange about it. This had an immediate effect. Not only did it help to convince their still sceptical co-religionists that falafel genuinely was a suitable food for Jews, but it also allowed falafel to shed its associations with Arab peoples. This was something the Israeli government was glad to encourage. In the wake of the Arab-Israeli War of 1948-49, there was a concerted effort to foster a distinctive sense of Israeli national identity and to separate its culture and cuisine from uh, that of its neighbors. Helped by the fact that many Yemenis soon started opening falafel stalls the Israeli government avidly promoted the idea that falafel had been imported, not from Egypt, but from Yemen. It was not true at all, but it served its purpose, which means before long, falafel had become so popular and so closely identified with the Israeli state that songs were being written about it. Now, here's an instance. The song is called Va uh, Lanu Yesh Falafel. Yes, we have falafel. It was released in 1958. Uh, it was made famous by the singer Nissim Garame. It was unambiguous in claiming falafel for Israel. It began, Every child knows that macaroni is Italian. The Austrians in Vienna have tasty schnitzel and the French eat frogs, and we have falafel, 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 a present from dad. Even mom buys it here, and old grandma will buy half a portion. And today, even the mother-in-law will get falafel, falafel, with lots and lots of peoples. By the 1960s, the process of nationalization was complete. Falafel had been enshrined as the Israeli dish par excellence. It was proudly served on long-house flights by El Al, the Israeli national courier. Oath cuisine chefs prepared special versions for entries in international cookery competitions, much to the chagrin of Israel's Palestinian neighbors. By then, falafel had begun to reach more distant shores. In Germany, in particular, where a large Turkish population grew roots, it enjoyed huge popularity. At first, it was a dish consumed primarily by migrants, but by the early 70s, the appearance of Turkish food stalls and restaurants made it available to a growing number of hungry Germans. Even more strikingly, falafel also made it to the United States. There its progress was relatively slow. Throughout the 1960s and 1970s, it remained the preserve of migrant communities alone. But in the last decades of the 20th century, it began to be appreciated by a wider audience. This was at first marked by a rather orientalizing approach For many consumers, falafel was something exotic and strange, but with time, as cultures mixed, these associations were overcome. Now, it has become so much a mainstay of American cuisine that it is hard to think of a time when it was anything other. This is uh, rather encouraging. Though falafel remains a deeply divisive food in the Middle East, its performance elsewhere in the world shows that it can also overcome differences. Despite all the debates about where it came from and whose it really is, what matters is that it is something we all share and that we can all enjoy. If we keep eating it with that in mind, falafel can perhaps bring us together rather than keeping us apart. So falafel, the next time you eat one, do please remember the story of how it became the national dish of Israel within barely a decade. And that's how food brings people together and histories merge and become one with the present and the past coming to join hands that's all for this episode of history chatter i'll be back with a fresh take on the past next week see you